Sports. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Hello and welcome to episode 239 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. We're starting a little bit earlier today as we have so much to cover. We got to have more time because this Saturday, wow, it is Louisiana Derby Day, a 15 race card, the first of the 100 point Kentucky Derby preps. I can't wait to talk to you about five fantastic stake races with our good friend and special guest, Chad Shexnader of the Fairgrounds podcast. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right hand side of the screen. Hit that notification bell. That will tell you when new content will arrive. Arrive, and then also smash that like button. That'll help send everyone to the HHH Racing Podcast. We'd greatly appreciate if you smash that like button as well. You can see on my name tag at H Kravitz is where you can reach me on Twitter, and of course, scrolling on the bottom of the screen uh, is my email hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. If you are watching live, we already have a lot of people watching live. Please make sure you uh, comment if you're on YouTube. Go to the YouTube channel, comment on the right side of the screen. Screen, We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you are watching on Twitter right now, you might want to go ahead to our YouTube channel. Uh, just go to the YouTube search bar, hhhracingpodcast.com, and then you can join our live chat. We have not posted a lot recently on our listening platforms. We're having a little bit of an issue with it. We hope to get that started running again, but usually we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you normally listen... Nothing's wrong with your side. Uh, we've had a little bit of issues on our end. We're working to straight that out. We've got great power picks. Look below the video player for the information. And if you're interested in knowing how we did last week with some of our horizontal plays, our great co-host Pete Visco has put a special information. If you go to our website, hhhracingpodcast.com, and then click on the power picks tab at the top, you can see our great horizontal hits that we had. Pete and Paul both hit their horizontal pick five at Oaklawn, and I hit a modest pick five at Aqueduct last week. So you can find out what scores we have on our website under Power Picks. Uh, we also, uh, there's the information, hhhracingpodcast.com. Also, we're going to be uh, advertising again with uh, Adelphi Racing. You see on the bottom of the screen, Get in touch with Adelphi. We'll have more advertisements for Adelphi coming up very soon. And also, I have to mention Anthony Rallo and Crownsway Racing, who have not only they've been on a roll lately with some wins all over the country, especially at Gulfstream, but they just purchased three horses for their Series E that has started. If you want information on how to get involved with Crownsway Racing, they just bought three two-year-olds at the Ocala uh, OBS sale. Uh, down in Ocala. Uh, very exciting horses. I'm a new partner of Crownsway. Check them out as well. All right. Uh, I think, let's see, we got a few quick comments here. Maiden Focus is already here. We got Stephen Vanderbrook already here waiting. Barry needs a big weekend to take this thing. Ouch. My Hoosiers not making the Sweet 16. Not good. Uh, let's see what else here. Yeah, we got Maiden Focus has a bunch of other uh, comments. Likes uh, instant coffee have come with hit show. Perhaps Chad Shexnader has something to say about some of the workouts. We'll be talking about that. 
But without further ado, let's bring in my co-hosts right now before we bring in Chad so we can get this uh, show going as I'm just clicking a few buttons here on the side, making sure we're ready to go. There we go. First, let's bring in from the East Coast of Maryland. Wasn't sure he'd make it today, but he is here, the one and only Mr. Pete Visco. And from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the Saratoga Special, Mr. Paul Halloran. Guys, welcome to 100-point final Derby Prep Weekend. How are we doing? Fantastic. Excellent. Are we ready, Paul? This is where the re- this is where the shit gets serious now, Paul. Excuse my language. I, Howard, I'm, I'm, I got a, I like a horse who already has fifty points, Howard. I'm not getting too riled <laughs> up over anything. That wouldn't be a certain gray that we know, is it? It would be. Yes. All it, right. It, everyone's down on him. Everyone's down on him. That's. Okay. I know. Good. I hope they can. Yeah. No, it is a good. Uh, it's it's this weekend, and then. You know, there's there's some left. Obviously, Santa Anita is still left, and Bluegrass is still left, and oh, the yeah. Wood is still left. So uh, it's it's uh, pretty good stuff. Lots to go. Before we bring on Chad Shexton, real quick, guys, I don't know if anyone watched uh, episode twelve of Betting and Boozing last night. It was outstanding. I was very active on it. Um, I, I do want to show a little more respect to our guest, Nathan Klein who is a freshman at the U of A, University of Arizona, in the racetrack industry industry program, is an up-and-coming race caller, guys. If you're not familiar with Nathan Klein, he really does a good job. I'm really impressed. And um, Kyle Roscoe did not have time last night to show show any of his calls. So I thought out of respect to Nathan, guys, real quick, I just want to show 30 seconds of a call from Nathan Klein, who was on – the Ben and Boozin show last night, episode 12. I want you to check that out. This is 30 seconds of one of his calls. He's only 18 years old, guys, and he does a fantastic job. He, he's going to be a, a superstar, I predict, at one point. So let me bring that on right now. This is Nathan Klein. This is a race at, um, at Turf Paradise, and here is 30 seconds of Nathan Klein. Guys, let's take a look. And listen to this budding superstar. Here we go. She is just in front, unsinkable. Molly B is trying to find some racing room on the outside of her. Ida need a drink. Unsinkable Molly B is now looming large. Chocolate Freckles trying to hold her off, but unsinkable Molly B is unwavering and wears her down and now takes the lead for herself. She's opening up. She's clear by now two lengths. On the inside, Ice Sharpie late for third, but it's all unsinkable Molly B. A photo for second between Chocolate Freckles and Ice Sharpie and a drop back to Ida need a drink, who was fourth. The final time, 110. Point six, six. Uh, Paul Howard, you've heard a lot of races in your time. What's your thoughts? I love uh, on the fly the ho- the name of the horse being unsinkable something, and he says the horse was unwavering. Very good. Yes, very nice good. vocabulary. I like his I like his intonation, Pete. He's got a nice way of uh, he's got a, a nice race call. He's got a nice way of you know calling. He didn't seem that nervous. I really. I'll tell you, what were you doing, eighteen, Pete? I sure as hell wasn't calling races at Turf Paradise. I'll tell you that. Definitely not. Definitely not that. I don't. I probably would have been slurring my words if I was trying to call a race at eighteen. But it was. I like too the call of the horse up the rail because sometimes that's what you miss is you miss the the late yeah. comers or who's coming and and which one it is. And I think that's you know having that eye for more than just the winner is impressive. Yeah. So just wanted to give a quick quick shout out Nathan Klein on our show last night. Well, speaking of what they were doing at eighteen years old. Let's find out what our guest was doing when he was 18, or maybe we shouldn't because it could be, well, who the hell knows what it would be, but I'm sure he was a very nice young man and 
very respectful and listened to his parents and his teachers and all that. Let's bring him on from New Orleans, the the uh, one of the main players of the Fairgrounds podcast, friend of the show, friend of mine, and guys, by the way, recent Wheel of Fortune contestant, <laughs> Chad yeah. Sexnader. Chad, how you doing tonight? What's up, Howie? What's up, guys? Good to see you all again. What's up, Chad? Hey, Chad. Chad, great to have you on the show. Paul was taken aback when I just said that you and your wonderful wife was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. Real quick, tell everyone about it in case they didn't know. No, it's like well, now, it's, now it's in YouTube world for the rest of uh, creation, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we're on the February 17th show, Wheel of Fortune. Uh, it's Valentine's week. My wife and I were on a couple show. It's like a sweetheart's week or something. We taped it back in November. Um, had to wait and came out and Friday. It was a great, great experience. It was fun. Took home a little money, made a little money in that. And, um, yeah, it's just something fun. She's been a big fan her whole life. Her mom was on it um, back in the day when she was in school, and she was like a multi-day champion when they let the champions come back. And uh, so she's it's been a little dream of hers to be on the show. So I was happy to go on there with the wife and, uh, and, and experience that. Main focus, Bad Chad is in the house. We got fans of Chad <laughs> Shexnader ready to rock and roll from – uh, main focus. <laughs> Matt, I would have to agree with this. Might have the worst attempt at a Nolan's accent when I announced Chad. Sorry about that, Matt. I, I, thought, I, I, I did, thought the same I, thing, I had to, Matt. I, I had to just throw thing. that out there. Fail <laughs> uh, Place, 5 o'clock show. I happen to be trolling. My man, Paul H., is yeah, here, not on the road. Paul? Season's over. See, basketball season for me is over. I'm here. All right. Guys, I'll tell you what also is here is a fantastic card, and we got a, few, a little bit of time constraint. So let, let's we got so many races to talk about and a lot of things to discuss. Chad, I want to ask you one question before we get started. Anyone who's not familiar, by the way, the Chad Shexnader, who's been on our show several times. I think the last time was for the uh, Breeders' Cup, correct, Chad, if I remember I think correctly. so. Yeah, it might yeah. be right. Uh, very quickly, tell everyone what you do, and then after you tell everyone what your role is indirectly with Fairgrounds, Please explain the turf course situation because the rails are down an extra 10 feet or I think it's seven feet and how that mm -hmm. might affect uh, the turf races. I think that's going to be very important to talk about today. Right. Well, I host the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast and actually the, the one for Louisiana Derby Day just dropped um, this afternoon. Probably it's probably <laughs> loading up on Apple right now. So by the time we finish this show, you should be able to download that. Uh, we try to keep it done an hour. It's myself and Mike Deliberto, who's the track clocker, and he makes the morning line out there, and he's, he sees all those horses work. So it's a lot of good information on maidens, who's training with who, which is always important, um, who's out working who, who's out galloping. Mike has a great eye. He's been making a morning line at the fairgrounds for 33 years, so um, he knows what he's doing, and um, just a great all-around guy, man. You can't find a nicer guy than Mikey D. Um, uh, so the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, you check check that out when you can. The turf course, yeah, the stall was the turf course. So they dropped the rails this week. From what I heard, they're not going to run any turf races till Saturday. So that makes it hard to get a line on what's exactly going to happen. But they're pushing the rails back in. So technically, I think it's out 27 feet. So that inside grass area is probably a little better off now than what it was. What it really does is allows you to run nine races in a turf sprint now instead of eight. We've been running eight the whole meet on the turf no matter what with a big also entry, also eligible list. Now you get nine in the turf sprint and you get 10 in the turf routes. So uh, obviously after these next three days, uh, there's nothing but jazz fest coming after that. So they, they destroy the turf course and the grass anyway. So we are going to get a little rain. They're predicting possibly 30, 40% chance overnight on Friday. It should be out by the morning. The track should be drying out Saturday. No chance they're taking this, these races off the turf on Saturday. There's no reason to. So there's going to be turf racing on Saturday and Sunday. It's just a crazy week, man. 58 races starting yesterday. 
15 races Saturday, 15 Sunday. I mean, they're really trying to kill us over here. But, uh, you know, after Saturday and Sunday, it's over with for about six months. So we'll get off field this weekend. Now, Chad, what I've noticed with the turf course is it looks like on the first – and you're there all the time, so you could speak better than I could, of course. It looks like on the first turn is where it was really bad. Like, like it, I don't know what happened to the grass, but it was really bad, you know, just inside the rail. I don't know if the rest of the course – was like that, like the three or four path. But it would seem to me, just logically, they're gonna be if you're on the rail this weekend, you're on the very fresh part of the turf course. I'm gonna be fast. The first race, by the way, guys, on the turf is Saturday, and it's before our races start. It's a turf sprint. Chad, I'm curious to see if they're gonna be like one some horse is gonna go to the outer rail, like you're up, right? Some horses right. are gonna go to the outer rail, some horse is gonna go to the inner rail, and we'll just like see whatever race, happens. Yeah, like I mean that. I have a feeling the inside's going to be good Saturday, but we'll, I mean, it's just a guess, Chad. I have no idea. It's absolutely good. No, it's an absolute guess. They, uh, going into the first turn is better now. Where it's really bad is right on the backside across. You look like behind the tote board, there's a strip of probably, I don't know, a few hundred yards that looks like a beach still. Um, that's really down on the inside, so it just looks very sandy. That's where it's pretty bad, but they're going to push it out from back that area too. I don't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I, I, I kind of okay. put it in the hands of the jockeys who ride here you know, consistently. Um, James Graham's done a good job of adjusting his horses to where his stuff goes. Ray Lou's been good on the turf, obviously, here. These guys like Pratt and um, some of these other guys coming in, <laughs> I don't know how they go figure it out. I mean, I guess if, if you're on the best horse, you're on the best horse. But they got that's a tricky course, man. It really is. And I give a lot of credence to horses who went over it. I'm guessing, Pete and Paul, they might walk the course. I mean, we see that with European mm-hmm. jockeys, right? I mean, the, the intel's going to be out. I, I don't. I, it's hard for me to believe, Paul, they're just going to be completely random guessing. They're either going to walk the course, there's going to be a going stick. I mean, something, you'd think, right, Paul? I don't know. Yeah, except, you know, you're going to have guys, typically these guys are flying in, you know, potentially Saturday morning or very late Friday night or Saturday. You know, I'm sure they're all riding somewhere on Friday, so – there's not going to be a lot. Of, yeah, they'll they'll get a feel. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's a great point by Chad. You know, it's always an issue. You know, with a, a turf course you may not be familiar with, but in lieu of the situation there, it kind of gets exacerbated. But you know, you're going to kind of if you're betting guys like Pratt and Saez, you're going to kind of rely. You're betting on their experience and their ability to adapt. No question. Well, let's jump right in, guys, into the sequence. Uh, the, we're we're going to cover the late pick five. There's an all stakes uh, pick five. It's a five hundred thousand dollar guarantee uh, all stakes pick five. The first race that you see on the screen is actually not graded. The other four stakes are graded. Let's go full screen right now. Let's just start right now. Race eight, and there are other stakes on the card for Louisiana breads and other things. Chad, if we have time at the end, we can talk about it. Some horses you like earlier in the card. But let's start with race eight, guys. This is the Tom Benson. Memorial. This is for Philly and Mares, 100K. They're going a mile of 16th on the turf. You see the rails are set at 28 feet. There are some, some familiar names and some new faces as well. Pretty big field. It's a field of 10 with the Moorline favorite from the rail, the number one adventuring for Cox and Saez. So I guess we'll have an idea right away, Chad, uh, what the rail looks like. Uh, let me go ahead and switch to race eight. I'll go ahead and put the banners up here also. You're going to see our picks on the bottom of the screen. Right now, there they are. Let me just do one other thing here, guys. Take it. We're good. All right. So, Chad, we're going to go with you first. You're going to go with – sorry, let me bring it back here. You're going to go with the number eight. The number eight, she can't sing a real honest six-year-old mare for Chris Block and Brian Hernandez. Yeah, I like she can't sing. She won this race last year, Howard. Um, 
you know, and I think she's coming in even better this year. She gets four pounds off that weight difference, which she won last year. Um, back on Lasix here. Um, I just think, you know, the familiarity with the core, she's been across it seven times. And I just have a lot of questions about everybody else. And, and here's a question for you. We've run about 51, 52 races uh, on the turf so far. Do you know who the leading trainer is and wins on the turf course this year? Ooh. Not Chris Block. <laughs> Your boy, Chris Block. Is it You're really? Right. I, how many starters has he had on the turf? I think he's had 10 and he's won five of them. Wow. wow. Really? Yep. So well, Chris Block well, I mean, is the guy, there, actually, the too. guy's a great trainer. Anyone who knows anything, especially from Midwest, I mean, the guy, the guy knows what he's doing. That's amazing, Chad. Five of the six wins have been on the turf. Uh, Catalano has four, and then you have like Cox and Amos, I think, tied at three. So wow. Chris Block horses run well here on the turf. He, he you know, his his horses get it done. This one, I, I just had a lot of questions about adventuring and some of the other ones in here. So I picked, I picked, um, you know, she can't sing on top. Uh, I don't think it hurts getting Brian Hernandez in the saddle. So that's where I went. Um, adventuring on the rail, two to one. I, I don't know why Rosario's not riding back on this horse, having him be here. But obviously, Sias has a lot of Cox horses that he rides for. Buried on the rails, horses can have speed. The turf course, you know, it has been playing the closers lately. Um, the last couple of weeks, um, it's been it's been very closer friendly. Um, not really closer friendly, but stock pace friendly. The speed hasn't done that well. So I kind of lead to a she can't sing. Diddy is a horse that's three to one in the morning line. To me, this looks like a setup for Keeneland. Um, you know, Nacho Correa has been training at Keeneland with this horse. I think he brings the horse down here to get up a start. And I think he's pointing for something bigger at Keeneland. So I don't expect him to be 100% cranked. Um, you know, so I just I went to She Can't Sing, just kind of a, a horse for course. And, and that, that's my pick. I guess the main question, this is for everyone, but Chad, I'll throw it to you first. That we all have the one in the money, guys, but none of us have this one on top. And she's going to be all two to one, maybe nine to five. Chad, my big question is the distance. Now, is she just better as a newly turned five-year-old? Or is it the distance that's really helped her? To me, the cutback might not work real well for her. That was sort of my main concern. Yeah, there's a long stretch here, too, at the fairgrounds. And, I mean, look, she's getting close to a million dollars in earnings if she wins this race. And she's certainly a nice mare. Um, I just can't swallow what price she's going to be. And yeah. over, her, her first time over the course, you know, I mean, she's been training here since January. Um, but, you know, that Gulfstream turf course is, is very different from the turf course we have here. So, I, you know, can she take her track with her? We'll, we'll find out. I, I don't want to find out two to one. But like you said, I'm not going to let her beat me in the yeah. exotics. But as far as a wind bet and keying a horse, um, it's not going to be her. Yeah, it's one of those horses we're all going to use, but we hope doesn't win. One of those right. situations. <laughs> uh, Paul, you're going to go with the six that Chad already mentioned. Uh, Dia, I sort of feel the same way Chad does. I wasn't sure what to do. There is, just so you guys know, I looked it up, Chad, because you and I are thinking so much alike. It's scary. In three weeks, it's a quick turnaround, but the Jenny Wiley is in three weeks at Keeneland. That's their premier older Philly Mare turf race. And Nacho really points to Keeneland. I don't know if they're pointing to that race, but it would make a lot of sense if that's what they were playing, doing, using this as a prep. Um, Paul, you feel like this horse can absolutely win anyway. She was a superstar in Argentina and ran well last year in her two starts at Colonial, won both of them. Paul. Yeah, and, and I, I'm basing it on the trip. You know, I went back and watched. I think the second, the first U.S. race is really informative. You know, the last time out, she she came from eighth. You know, she was she dropped back a little, came from eighth. You know, that, that first race in the U.S. was kind of a, an odd race where – she was out there. She was right on the pace, and then uh, she sat off a slow pace, dropped back, uh, even with the slow pace, and, and then kind of got up late. You know, I, I think this race is going to be won from someone who's pretty close to the pace. 
Uh, I kind of agree with you guys on the one adventuring. Even though the horse looks like speed on paper, I don't think she's going to be quite that fast at a mile and a 16th. And I just think the six has a potential to get a pay, uh, you know, to get the right trip here. This was the, uh, here she's going to come late. And right now you're thinking, you know, this eight's gone. This is a tough beat if you bet the eight, whoever the eight is. But, you know, she, she does make a good late run. And again, it, it's into a very slow pace, 50 and three and 114 flat. They did the mile in a very slow 137 and four. So I, I think that, uh, you know, the jock, the regular jock's on. I, I think the, the post is fine. And I think the horse gets the right trip. I, I have her in the mix, but this three to one to me is way, way too low. That'd be, if, if this horse is three to one to me, that that's a big underlay in my opinion. Uh, Pete, let's go to you. You've got the nine. Pete, great minds think alike, sir. Because I like the nine also, and I don't know if we're being great or not, but we'll find out. Um, New Year's Eve surprised everyone on, I think it was Oaks Day last year, and knocked the hell of me out of that Oaks Day pick five when she won the Edgewood at, at 14 and a half to one. But you know what? She backed up that effort with two pretty good efforts if you toss out the Belmont Oaks. Um, Walsh is good off layoffs. I'm sure you've got a, a stat for that. Why not at a, mid, at a medium price in this race? Yeah, the, to me, the, the the one thing I looked at, and I, I would see if this would come into play, is those last three races, which, again, weren't as impressive, even though the one two back was pretty good and the one the last one wasn't too bad, they were definitely going a little longer. I mean, you see the mile and a 5 yeah. 3 16th, mile and a quarter. Now this one's cutting back. You're getting two for two at the mile and a 16th distance. Obviously, Chad talked about having some familiarity over the fairgrounds course, three for three in the money, picks up Pratt. Yeah, I did have Walsh. I, I, hopefully I did the math right. It was like between like 150 and 200 day layoff, uh, 210 day layoff, 24% win, 52% in the money. So at least, you know, this horse, he can get horses to fire off a lengthy layoff. This one, again, you're, I think you're sort of looking back. I'm, I was more reliant on those first four races as opposed to the last three, even though the last three were solid. The works have been pretty good coming in. So I think I was looking for a price because, again, like you said, adventuring might be too short. The six might be a little short. So I think if this one can regain that pass form and, and if Pratt can can come in and, and take to this horse, then I like this one at a, at a half-decent price. I've got similar stats. I've got, by the way, the, the average payoff of his horses coming off a long layoff are $18.45. I saw that, yeah. Brennan yep. Walsh. And also, guys, in graded stakes off the layoff, He's only three for 30, but two of those were with Brian Hernandez. So his most well-meant horses seem to be with Brian Hernandez. Chad, any final thoughts on New Year's Eve? We're going to move on. New Year's Eve, uh, it's just her first start as a four-year-old facing pretty salty group here of, of, of older fillies and mares. So that was, my only, that was my only negative. I mean, she's coming off the layoff and, and a first start as a four-year-old, I mean, you know, Brendan Walsh didn't run her against older horses as a three-year-old. He kept her all in three-year-old company. He kept, you know, and look, good for him that she made four hundred something thousand dollars. So he she, he did the right thing, um, you know. But he, this is going first time against older. So, but she has experience over the turf, so that definitely helps her, no doubt. There is some there is some pace. I didn't mention the pace. There's a little potentially some pace, and obviously it looks like she's you know based on her past performance, she can be a little bit far back. So hopefully that pace heats up as well. All right, let's move on to the next race, guys. And we've got some big stake races coming up here, including some graded stakes. Let's get right to it. Race nine, the New Orleans Classic, grade 
uh, two. This is going to be at about 5.04 Eastern Standard Time. A lot of familiar names in here. It's a field of eight, uh, led by the big name in this race, at least as of the uh, as of January, the number two art collector who completely freaked in the Pegasus eight to five morning line for Bill Mott, Junior Alvarado. I'll go ahead and show everyone's picks right now. Come up on the screen. Chad, you're going to go first. Chad is going against art collector and is a go with a horse that surprised me a bit last time, Chad, but I thought ran really well when he won Pioneer Medina for Pletcher and Saez. I'm done trying to beat Pioneer Medina. I'm, I'm a believer now. He's made a believer out of me. You know, Howard, his only he's run four times at the fairgrounds, two wins, and his two losses were against Epicenter um, last year. So he ran unbelievable in the in the mine shaft. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mr. Wireless comes to him at the top of the stretch and just looks like he's going to go right by him on the outside. And this horse just digs in, and that's a long stretch, and he would not let him go by. Not only did he not let him go by after the wire. He still wouldn't let him go by. I mean, this horse loves a fight. He loves the fairgrounds. I, I just think he's a better price. I'm not going to let our collector beat me. I think I'm only going to go too deep here with these two. Pioneer Medina has made a believer out of me. Todd Pletcher knows what horses to send at this track. This horse loves this track. And he beat me last time. I'm not going to let it happen again. Um, and I, I think he's on the improve. He does pick up four pounds off that race, but I don't think it's really going to matter. And a lot of these, you know, he's faced before and he's dealt with, except for, you know, the likes of our collector. And I just think, um, you know, he's a big shot. He has a big shot to, to beat him, and he's going to be a better price for sure. Hey, Chad, real, real, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask Chad on, on the eight real quick because I really – I like this horse last time. I think we did. talked about it on the show. And the only thing that concerned me this one was he seems to not run as well when he gets past the mile and a 16th. And, I mean, you see he's 0 for 2 at the mile and an eighth, but even in any of the other races that have gone beyond that. That was the one thing that I was like, ah, maybe for some reason – He's uh, he's just not built for going beyond that. I don't know, Chad, if you had any thoughts on that. That was the only thing that sort of put him in second for me as opposed to on top. That's a valid point. Um, and we, we're not going to know, really. I mean, this is probably his favorite track. So if he doesn't do it here, true. I don't expect him to do it anywhere else. Um, so but I think he's going to be a d decent little pace. He's going to be close. Now, can he hold off our collector, that, that, <laughs> that big, big monster coming at him? He's held off everybody else um, to the wire except for Epicenter. So. Yeah, it's a bit valid point. Uh, that's a good point. Chad, my main question is, can he – he's probably going to have to sit because the first the – the three horse on the inside are pretty quick. The question for me is, can he sit and finish against this quality horse? I mean, I know he did it last time, and Pete, great call on this horse. You know I didn't like him last time, uh, like Chad, and I was – we were both wrong. That's my main question, Chad. Is he quality enough at this distance to sit off and go by? That's really I, my only question, Chad. I think, well, he's going to have every opportunity. He's going to get the jump on on, on some of these. Um, I think Treasury, I mean, he's a fast horse. He's going to definitely set some nice fractions. I don't think Wes Willpower wants to be too far off of that either, and I think that's why I was kind of against Wes Willpower a little bit because I think Treasury is just going to make him work hard. Um, it's going to make him work harder than probably he wants to work. Now, you know, if you listen to the Fairgrounds podcast, Mikey D has all kind of great stuff to say about Wes Willpower. <laughs> So um, I was trying to talk him out of it, but I mean, there's no probably talking him out. But I just think in the pace setup, you know, um, I, I just think he's a cut below to me. West Willpower, this is a grade two. It's not a grade one, but um, the, the price he's going to be, these Cox horses are going to get bet off the board. I mean, we, you know, we kind of joked about in the podcast, this could be a four to five, nine to five type of thing with these two and everybody else has forgot about. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Maybe he's a better horse than I'm giving him credit for. Chad, I got the impression West Willpower is going to go off higher. I think this two to one is too low, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Paul, before we get to you, Chad, you, you just mentioned the pace situation. 
So where's Art Collector going to be? I mean, it's just, just he might sit the dream trip off the one and three and just win again, even though I really hung me against him on Saturday. He could sit the same exact trip. You mean, perfect third, uh, just yeah. like he was in the Pegasus. I mean, look, Bill Mott won this race last year with Olympiad. He knows what it takes to get here and, and win this race. I mean, so, you know, this is a good start. It's the next next step for him. And I, I think, um, you know, maybe Bill just wants to come eat some crawfish during crawfish season. So why not bring <laughs> Art Collector with him, you know? so Why not? Paul, you're, you anything you want to add to Art Collector, this is your top horse. I mean, he ran unbelievable. He's been a bit inconsistent in his career. He put it all together last time. I mean, if he runs – you know, he doesn't have to run his last race. He runs even a little bit underneath his last race. He probably still gets the job done. But, Paul, he's going to be maybe even money here against a pretty good field. And I don't think he's run at fairgrounds either. No, he hasn't. So, I don't know, Paul. He still has some questions for me to answer. Maybe I'm just being stubborn. Yeah, I thought that last time, Howard. I, I The way uh, Chad feels about Pioneer uh... – of Medina, who who I also liked last time, and Pete and I were Pete and I were right, and you were wrong, Howard. I hate to say that, but that pains you, right? I'm sorry, my 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 sound just my sound just went out for a second. I'm sorry, what was that? You said you're always uh, right. I Howard. feel that. You that's what I yeah. thought I heard. Okay, go. <laughs> and and you know, if you want to look at the Pegasus, if you look at the horses coming out of it. Next race, eight stats, four wins, a second, and three-thirds. One yeah. of the wins is the Stinner and Eda Handicap with Stiletto Boy. Um, I I just think this horse is really good. And, and I would dispute a little bit, Howard. I think he looks a little more inconsistent on paper than he is. If you start in 21, you know, his only bad race in 21 is the Breeders' Cup Classic. He loses to Nixco. Throw out the Saudi race. He probably didn't like running in the sand. And then uh, he he did run a bad race in the Lucas Classic, but I don't think I think right now he's about as consistent as it gets. I think Mott has managed this horse uh, very well. I try to beat him in the Charlestown Classic with my West Virginia friend uh, Brad Mwadib last year, who ran his eyeballs out to run second. Uh, I thought this horse was really good last time. I do agree uh, he is surrounded by some speed, but I am going to trust in. Uh, my guy, Junior Alvarado, to uh, figure that out. Guys, here's my thought. I, I Everything that you guys said in general is correct. I don't have too many arguments. Because I want to see it again with Art Collector, and because of what Chad mentioned with West Willpower and maybe gets caught up a little bit in a speed duel, and I'm not, I'm still not convinced with Pioneer. I, don't, I got a lot of questions, guys, in this race. I'm going to go with a bit of a fuzzy. And Vale Place is like, Howard, what are you talking about? If, if a closer is going to win this race, guys, to me, and we don't know what's going to happen, of course, I'm really inching rail and roll. Now, this is a horse that, if you guys remember, um, I tipped out um, in the Breeders' Futurity way back in October 21st. I was actually there that day and won it almost 9-1 to one for our power picks. I remember it very well. He was not good last year for most of his three-year-old year. There's really no argument. I don't know what happened. I just he just never developed. But guys, since that St. Louis Derby at at FanDuel in in uh, St. Louis, he's really come on. He ran two nice races, a 96 and 100. Toss out the this 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 race here was the Breeders' Cup Marathon. He should never have been nine to five. That was ridiculous. I don't think he wanted to go that far. Ken McPeak, guys, is not bad. You know, we, we poo pooed him last week when he won with a maiden. And he can, he can win off layoffs. He can win with maidens. To me, if this race falls apart, which I think it could, 
this is the one I think can come running. Uh, his workouts look great. Chad, I was going to ask you, he's got bullet workouts, and McPeak's not a bullet workout kind of guy, and this horse doesn't usually work this way. Have you heard any any vibe at all on Rowled and Roll? Because I think he's going to do that in the lane and have a big shot if he gets the right trip. Yeah, I think Mike said on the podcast that he worked with Tis the Bomb last time, but the work two back was with Classic Causeway, and um, Classic Causeway got a little bit of the best of him in that workout on the gallop out and classic causeway where it ran back last weekend, I believe at Oaklawn and, and didn't do yeah. anything. So I know that means anything, but you know, the source is back on Lasix too, Howard. He does a lot better running on Lasix than with, without Lasix. He does. Um, I don't know, guys, this is my underneath play. I don't know if he can win. I've got him on top, just trying to beat the favorite. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm actually, a bit by the way, classic causeway ran in that nice second, actually. So was, was he second? Is it Oaklawn yeah, race, he, right? Last week? Yeah, he was, he lost. Yeah, he two, ran. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he won't. Yeah, didn't he get yeah, caught? He got caught, but it was by the, the horse who was better. I think the what the favorite. I forget. Last uh, samurai. Yes. Yeah, last samurai. Last yes. samurai. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, he ran. Oh, good. where's your samurai impression? I thought <laughs> we love when I'm you focused. go. I'm focused. I'm focused tonight, Howard. I am. I thought we'd see a karate choppers. I don't know. Anyway, all right. any yeah, any reason why any reason why our collectors back on Lasix after running ten times without it? Isn't that weird? I mean, I'm not questioning Bill Mott, but why put the horse back on Lasix after 10 times without running on it? Just because you can, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I guess just because you can. That's that's interesting. Um, I'm yeah. assuming he's going to go to the big Churchill, um, uh, the, the race on um, the, the Ali Sheba, I believe, on uh, on um, Derby, Derby Day. Day. I think that's probably where he would go next is my guess. Um, that's a good question, Chad. I, I don't play the Lasix team, Chad. That thing drives me crazy. Well, I got a Lasix thing for you in the Derby. You might play off of. We'll get to that. Ooh. All right, we'll get to that. Nice. Before we do that, Chad, let's go to the let's go to the Munez man. Uh, third leg, Munez Memorial Classic. It's a great race every year. Three hundred thousand dollars is the purse. A mile and eighth. You see the rails again. They're out twenty eight feet. We'll have to watch and see what happens. The Mori line favorite here is a horse that won the Pegasus uh, World Cup Invitational. A tone for Maker and Saez, five to two. Two Emmys. The number six, who is on a roll right now for Robertson and Graham would be the other main player, at least on paper. Chad, you are going to go uh, with two Emmys who uh, everyone just seems like downplay all the time for some reason. All this horse does is run. I love this horse. And, I mean, look, if he wins this race, he's vying for a stakes race to be named in his honor here at the fairgrounds. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, he, I think James Graham really figured him out last time. The, the race two back, you know, he came into the lane and he wanted to go straight to the rail when he got in the lane, and the rail was really bad. Um, back in January, he didn't want to be here. And Graham fought him most of the stretch um, to get him right to the middle of the track. And General Soul caught him from the way outside. And I don't think two of saw him coming. Now, last time, James Graham, the horse, did exactly what he wanted to do. Um, now, he, he walked all the way around there. But James Graham put him in position, and he just kept going, man. He looked great. He's my single, Howard. And my, and my, I mean, I just – I love this horse. I think that this is his race. He becomes a millionaire after this race. Um, wow. And I just think he's got the perfect setup. He likes being outside like that. And this is his home track, man. I mean, I know he's the Chicago Connections and all that, but he loves the fairgrounds here, and I hope the old boy has one left in him. Well, the main question for me, Chad, is he's got a 92 early time form U.S., and you see a lot of ones, but really he's been on the lead in very slow paces. A tone actually on paper is faster early with a 101 early time form. Um, what do you think Saez is going to do? And what do you think actually will happen, Chad, from a pace right. perspective between these two? 
Well, I got fooled last time. Last month, Bay Street Money shipped in here from Mike Maker and didn't run at all. He was kind of a long shot picking that race. And here's a stat for you guys from Formulator, and you guys are, are good at this kind of stuff. But Mike Maker is, is the turf king, right? Ships everywhere, turf, this and that. At the fairgrounds, and, and Mike Dilberto on the podcast, he called it a phony stat, but it's worth mentioning. So Mike Maker shipping to the fairgrounds with turf horses at the fairgrounds the last five years. When he ships in, he's five for 83. That's 6%. A six percent with about wow. a, a fifty-four cent ROI. Now, is he shipping them all in? No. This is kind of like in Formulator. If the horse made a start at Oakland, you know, a month ago, and then comes to fairgrounds and runs on the turf, that's considered on Formula to be a ship-in kind of horse, right? So the horses could have been training here after a meet ends, but if you started another track, come over here. But five years, and look, those five wins, none of them were in stakes races. Hmm. So. You know, makers known what do you as make the of that chat. I mean, is that just coincidence or I mean, what he just? I think. Well, I think for one thing, he doesn't keep an A string here. When he does have twenty twenty five horses, it's his B string. He was coming this meet until there was no turf racing early in the meet. They, they you know, they said no turf and then eight starters right. and all this. So Maker said, "I'm out." Um, you know, I'm just gonna ship some horses here. I just don't think he runs his best here. But that dude, that's a stat that I mean, it jumps off the page at you. And, you know, he had a rough meet a couple of meets ago. He was like one for 36 here a couple of years ago. Um, he just doesn't have a great stock here. Now, this horse is obviously a nice one, but I took that into consideration. I, I think, you know, this horse probably will be on the lead. And I just don't think the way everything's been playing that that's probably where you want to be. First time over the course. There's just a lot to knock on this horse. That's going to be two to one. Pete, your thoughts on what Chad said? Oh, I mean, you know. By the I, way, I, while you're doing that, I'm sorry. There is something new with Formulator. I just want to show everyone. We should start doing this, Pete and Paul. I don't know if you guys saw, but they they have the they put the time form USPPs on there. And what's nice is you guys can see now is they do have the pace situation. And Chad, you can see time form does have the one on lead with the six hitting off. And what's also cool, guys, is when you hit this finish positions, you can see where time form predicts the race is going to end. They so again that's just that's just what time form feels. They've got it one six five. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, Pete, your thoughts on what Chad said? No, I mean I I, I agree with Chad mostly, and you know stats like that are, are are the things that I you don't always lean on them, but it's nice. Again, I always think of it, Chad as sort of a data point. So either you care about it, you don't, but it's nice to know that it's a thing. And although when you look at a tone you look at it and go, maybe this is one of his better ones that he's actually bringing this time because the tone is just red hot right now. And I mean, those two last races couldn't be more impressive. So maybe he's either learning his lesson or he's like, you know what? I'm tired of getting my butt kicked when I go to fairgrounds. I'm going to bring a stud with me this time. So, but I think this race is, I think this race is wide open. And I do, the one thing about a tone though, is if he does let, if Saez does let two Emmys go and two Emmys does get on the lead, a tone has obviously shown he can run horses down as well. So he's versatile enough, whereas two Emmys generally is either need to be on the lead or pretty close to it. So I think at least a tone has a little more versatility in terms of where he might get positioned. I also, I've got a tone. I, we don't need to talk much longer guys. It's pretty much one of these two. Um, Paul, do you want to quickly mention uh, you got another mystery in third, Paul, or just any thoughts on our, a tone two Emmys discussion? Yeah, I have another mystery as a as a B teamer. I thought ran okay last time. Maybe maybe went early. Uh, ended up getting caught. Um, you know, no disrespect to Loveberry, who's a damn good jockey, but it is an upgrade going to Pratt, in my opinion. Um, Chris Block, uh, as duly noted by Chad, is is the hot guy on turf here. Is that ninety five? Uh, you know, he he shows the ability to run 
uh, in the mid nineties. And, you know, uh, you got to think that area up to around a hundred uh, would be good here. So, uh, yeah, I, I think another mystery is a solid B. I think a tone is pretty versatile. I don't think the horse necessarily has to be on the lead here, especially based on the way uh, he ran last time. So I think with the rail, with Saez, I think he has the chance to get a real good trip. Hey, Howard, guys, can I just – oh, go ahead. You go first. Well, real quick, and we got to move on, Pete, but I'll, I'll let you comment after mine, and then we'll move on. You know, these other these another mystery Spooky Channel horses, Chad and guys, I'd be interested in them if there was a lot of speed in this race, but there isn't. And so not only do I not think they class up, I don't think the pace is going to suit. So I'm just – I think it's a two-horse race. I have General Soul in third. If you guys watch the replay, the fairgrounds uh, – grade three that Chad talked about, uh, there was a really slow pace and Raylo had to make a wide early move and gentle soul just couldn't sustain it. If something weird happens for me, it's gentle soul, but I'm just going with these top two guys. I, I, just, I think it's pretty much that simple Pete real quick. And then we got to move. We gotta I was on. actually just going to ask Chad what he thought of spooky channel. Cause I, I had this one in, in, second he has this one in second yeah because i like i like the i mean three back beats two emmys then is all i mean but that's off in 2021 long layoff comes back runs a nice race two back and then the last one i assume maybe was the, the mile and a half on top of it being soft maybe that threw that horse off but now maybe back into form second you know second in the form cycle third in the form cycle i wasn't sure chad what do you think about that no. five that horse likes this track, um, and getting Joel, Joel Rosario. I mean, that's not, that's that's a that's a good that's a good reason to. Uh, and he, he didn't like that soft track that you write about. That he wants to hear. He wants that firm going, and that, that's why I have him second. He's gonna be a decent price, and he might be forgot about because Jason um, Barkley's kind of the, the lower the lower tier connections with a with a grade stakes kind of runner. So yeah, Spooky Channel, and he'll run all day. I mean, he, he likes the fairground stretch. He can run um, all day long. So yeah, I, I like the horse to hit the board. Nick Feldman, like, t- I don't understand the tis the bomb love, guys. Nick, Nick, good luck to you. I mean, I, I hope he does well for you. I just, just because he was in the Breeders' Cup like two years ago, I just, I've never understood the love for that or so I'm, I'm against him. But anyway, let's move on, guys. The, the Fairground Oaks. I thought we were going to call this the Chop Chop Stakes in honor of Paul Halloran. Paul, how did Chop Chop do last time, by the way, when they put her back on tour? <laughs> Oh, the the divorce papers are out for Paul and Chop Chop. Apparently. No, she's uh, she, she's gonna be once she gets the synthetic, she'll be unbeatable. All right. Well, <laughs> the Fairgrounds Oaks is a small field, of course. Three old fillies, four hundred thousand. This is major points for the Kentucky Oaks. It's a small field of five, led by the number three, pretty mis- uh, mischievous, who won last time, uh, beat Hoosier Philly, and what a story that was in the last race. Uh, a huge favorite, didn't fire at all after a stumble. Uh, let me go ahead to the banners. We're going to go through this quickly, guys. Chad, you're going to go with a pretty mischievous. So am I. So I'm Pete. So is Pete. This is a Godolphin horse that just seems to be getting better and better. And I really like what she did last time. I think it was an underratedly difficult trip. We're not going to show it, but she was in between horses, Chad. She had she was on the inside, as you know, and then she had to come to the outside. I just thought it was a big effort. Um, she is eight to five more in line, though. I mean, she she made a believer out of me last time. She's getting she's getting better. She looks great on the track um, when she comes out. She she's turning into a problem, um, and she's going to be a problem for the for this feel. I think <laughs> you know if she can hold off. You know, Dolly's look is training well. Brad's doing some some stuff with her in the mornings. That's interesting. But um, you know, pretty mischievous is a problem now, and and she she looks great. It's her race to lose. I think from from that standpoint. Um, you know, she loves, she's been thriving down here and she took that next step from two to three. So I can't knock her. Um, 
you've got uh, the one, you know, I looked at the one really carefully, Chad, because these three old Phillies guys have just been weird all spring, right? There's no one. I looked at the one. I would really like this one, Chad, even more than I do right now. Just that field was really bad, and she just came up the inside. It didn't look like anyone was doing any running in the stretch. That all being said, Norm Cassie is being very aggressive with her, and she seems like she's going to sit a good trip for the leading rider. Chad, we've seen stranger things in this race. No, Norm Cassie, look, he loves this filly. He's talked about her. He's gushed about her. My only concern is that that last race happened with Lasix, and now she's going back off of it again. Yep. So that, that, that that's my <laughs> one go. concern. That's my one concern, Howard. But, um, yeah, she, she finished very well here. She repeats that effort that she ran back or gets close to it like she did in the allowance race. I don't know how much it really took out of her, but uh, she's come back and, and done well. I mean, there's no knocks on her, but she has to repeat it for me. I have to see it again. And, um, you know, she's got a really quick turn of foot. Um, she was really, you know, I think Ray Lou's worked her the last couple of times too, and, and she's done it real easy. So she could uh, – she could she could freak again if she does. She's going to be right there with this group. There's no doubt about it. And I have, I have a hard time believing she's going to be eight to one. I think she's going to take some money, but they can't all be five to two. So I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm real interested how they're going to bet this race with who's your filly in there because it's just it's mind boggling that the, the hype with, went around her. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to happen again. To be honest with you. Well, Paul, you're the only one in this group that's got who's your filly, and and I. I'm not going to say I fell into a trap, Chad. I mean, hell, everyone fell into the trap then. I mean, she was. there was no reason to believe she wasn't going to take a step forward last time. So all these people are going to say, you know, what idiots, how do you single who's your filly? That's fine. Listen, I've been called worse, Chad. But she looked like she was ready to take a step forward. Paul, maybe now this is the time to get her when she's going to be a higher price and the expectations are not as high. Yeah, you know, I, I looked at the three logicals, and I, I agree on the one, but the trip, and, you know, no one's a bigger Raylu guy than me, but the trip was, you know, it, just when it looked like the trip was perfect, it got more perfect last time. And, you know, I don't know how good the field was. I, I'd love to see him win. Uh, he is still up 10 in the standings, by the way, with only three races to go today. And I think, what, three cards after today, uh, Chad? Yeah, he, he could take the week off. He'll be leading Rodder. That's awesome. Good. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I didn't, I, I really wanted to be able to focus on only one of these two or three. And I, I really couldn't, you know, I, I, so I just went with that, that if, you know, Amos has toned down the rhetoric a little bit, she's gone from being the, the greatest horse, <laughs> the greatest female horse who ever lived to, you know, has, has a lot of promise. And I love Tom, but, uh, yeah, I, I just think maybe this time at a at a better price. Well, it has to be a better price. The price last time was just silly. Uh, that maybe this is the time. Uh, I agree. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how great the field was that the four beat. I thought the three were in well. No knocks. I know Brendan's really high in this horse. I came down to the five and the three. I think the five's going to be better odds reverse of last time and went with the five. And Nick Feldman is an astute guy. Um, at least apparently, for Gabby, apparently, Gabby said, Who's your filly was the best three year old on the grounds? Um, she works no. well, Chad. That's for damn sure. No one can argue that, but she hasn't really proved it on the track yet. So, um, I don't know, Pete, real quick, any thoughts on you've got uh, sorry, Pete, where you, you've got the three also. The Al's look is a horse you and I both had last time, Pete, but I don't know. This seems like a tougher spot, and this and couldn't have gotten a better situation last time. I'm not sure well, it's gonna happen here. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure the four. I'm not sure the alley's look is better than pretty mischievous. So if you're looking at a ticket, you say, well, why do I need the four if right. I think the three is just a better horse? And who's your filly is obviously just you just don't know what to do because I think Chad made a good point and said where pretty mischievous looks like she came back better from two to three. Maybe who's your filly just didn't, and maybe she's just a great in the yep. morning horse, or maybe she comes and runs a monster race finally this time and gets maybe a little bit of a better ride. I didn't necessarily love the the trip either when you're the when you're that big of a favorite, but I don't know. Based on the just current form, I feel like if who's your filly wasn't who's your filly and it was just any other horse, I would like the three. But I said the same thing last time. I shouldn't have liked who's your filly just based on numbers and and looking at everything like that. I wouldn't have loved that horse as much as a single if it wasn't who's your filly and there was so much hype around her. If you if you take out the name and just look at the PPs, like Pete, if someone just gave up a random PP, that's what I mean. Yeah, I would say yeah. this five should be like six to one. I mean, she looks slow. I mean, she just makes no sense. She just looks slow. Yeah. And I mean, I said that to myself last time and we said that on the show, but you're (laughs) like, but it's who's your Philly. So obviously she's awesome because everybody keeps telling you she's awesome. And in the morning she looks awesome. So she might be great. Hopefully she is. We love to see great horses actually fulfill their expectation. But I think on paper, the three just looks better right now. I agree. Guys, we got about a little less than 15 minutes here to talk about the final race. And this is the race we got to talk about respectfully the most. Um, it's the Louisiana Derby. It's the premier race of the entire meet chat. I know the locals always get really pumped up for this day in the Louisiana Derby epicenter of course won last year and was absolutely spectacular in the triple crown uh, and was named uh, three old uh, the eclipse winner. Uh, well-deserved. Um, I don't know if the eclipse winner for three olds this year is coming out of this race, unless I suppose instant coffee just continues to get on a roll. Let me show the picks on the bottom of the screen. Chad, before we deep dive into this race, what's the vibe down there? Who's been working the best? Just give us the overall thought on the Louisiana Derby 2023 this year. Yeah, I think Instant Coffee is going to be a, a, a prohibitive favorite, you know, um, and then behind him, it, I don't know, it's a dartboard. I mean, he's he's uh, he's been kind of the hype horse and he, he's done everything right. There's no reason really to knock him. And um, I think uh, Brad Cox has, you know, he has a lot of confidence in here. We never thought the Lacombe would be like one of the stronger races, but I mean, you look who comes, who's come out of it and everybody's run well. Um, so I think instant coffee is a legitimate favorite. I think he's a legitimate horse. I, I don't think he's epicenter. I mean, we all, I was on his podcast last March and I couldn't stop talking about epicenter, epicenter, epicenter. So I don't think I, I'm not going to talk about instant coffee in that, in that regard, but um, he's definitely a deserved favorite. Um, I think it's his race to lose and uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday, but uh, it's a nice full field. And um you know, I think Rosario's going for his third straight Louisiana Derby on uh, an Asmussen horse, but Cox has won this race before. Um, so we'll see what happens. Cox has three horses in here, guys. There's been rumors this week that Tappet's Conquest, who's been working with Alice Look, actually, the Philly, the last two times. But there's a little, um, there's rumors going that he might he might scratch. I don't know where those rumors really? started, came from, but I've heard it about every day. They said he might point toward the wood. But if that happens, I think that just that, that increases my confidence in, in instant coffee or Jason's road, if he's willing to take Tappet's conquest out and go chase points somewhere else, um, maybe that, maybe, you know, that that's the key, but that, that's just a rumor. I have no, I have no, I don't know if that's gonna happen tomorrow or Saturday, whatever, but, and he might stay in. I'm just saying what kind of the rumor, the room mill on the backside is happening. So we'll see. Um, Strangely enough, Chad, that would sort of give me more confidence in Tappet's conquest because wouldn't that mean also that Brad doesn't want, Tabas conquest to bang heads with instant coffee and right. make give him a better chance to get into the derby. So 
I, I have a very small future on Tappet's Conquest. It's my backup on Tappet's tri, uh, Trice. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him going to the wood just selfishly, but I would almost take that as a positive, Chad, not a negative to me. Yeah, I mean, we'll, right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let me, right. let me get to my LASIK point here, Howard, because it's yeah, very important. Yep, go the, on. The risen, the risen Star results, okay, if you look back at the Risen Star, um, the top three finishers are all finishers that were not on LASIKs in their prior start. There okay. was four horses in the 12-horse Risen Star, Nine of them, eight of them were coming into the race off of Lasix. They didn't run. There was four horses that had no Lasix in their prior start. They ran one, two, three, and it was Curly Jack was the other one. So, you know, this, these three rules, they go on and off Lasix. It's just confusing the handicappers. I know we talked about this last year. I talk about it all the time. But in the Risen Star, it helped me hit the try and the super. Hmm. So, um, you know, Angel of Empire was my top pick. He won. Sun Thunder ran second. Um, ran well in there. Sun Thunder ran second, and then two fills was third. Um, all of those horses they weren't on Lasix the pre- previous race, and they're you know Sun Thunder's not again here. So I just think there's something to be said for that. And as these distance races get longer, this was a mile and three sixteenths. These horses are coming off of Lasix again. That um you know I just think it's a challenge. I really really do. I, I just see I, I keep seeing it over and over. So um I'm leaning toward my picks, and and that, that's just a handicapping angle I'm going to use here. I, I mean, I'm certainly not going to doubt you. I, I, I think it could definitely make a difference depending on the horse. Chad, you've got a horse in second. Can I tell you something? You know how much I love this horse uh, and your pick here? Because I almost, I know I don't have this horse in the top three. So people are saying, oh, you're sucking up to Chad. Here's my feeling, uh, Chad, with this 11, and I'll let you talk here quite a bit. This horse has done nothing wrong on the dry tracks, number one. And to me, this seems like an absolute send. Because if Cox wants to get some speed for instant coffee or anyone else, there's got to be some speed in the race. I think this is a dead send for Drew. And I can see Jace's road, Chad, taking these horses a long, long way. Probably not to the finish line, but I'd love this pick for you a second. Is that basically what you were thinking here? No doubt. I mean, he's going to go to the front. And, and, and Drew, this horse reminds me of Wells Bayou. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. Wells Bayou, yep. that Drew Road. The first year, the race was a mile and three sixteenths. Uh, and Brad Cox is like, I can't believe y'all change it to mile 316. That's ridiculous. You know, Wells Bayou ships in from Oakland. Jeru's on him. He pops the gate, never looks back, and nobody catches him. Um, and he had an outside post that day, too, if I remember correctly. So this horse reminds me of that horse a little bit. Um, I just think he's – you're right. I think he's going to take him a long way. Um, and he's done nothing wrong. I mean, he, he is the speed. I think that's how they're going to use him. I think that's his best chance. Um, he's been working well in the mornings. And, um, you know, that, that's Drew's – is Drew's race, you know, good quality road up there. It's the all balls, West Point, 12 to 1 is a great price. So we'll see. The only thing I got to say is, you know, the outside post here at the fairgrounds, it's not good. Um, in route races, the 10 hole and out, this meet in route races is 0 for 33. It's the reason why, I, one reason why I was against victory formation. Victory formation at the 13 in the Risen Star, I tossed him completely, tossed him. Um, I, I don't know what it is. This is a little bit of a longer run to the, to the first turn. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that. Uh, in, I think I had the numbers here. It was it was crazy. The 10 hole is 0 for 33, but in route races, the 10 hole out is 0 for 32, and the 9 hole is 3 for 33. So 3 for 65, those outside posts. I don't know why that is. It just is what it is. But Well, um, it's a short run to the first turn if they go a mile 16th. This is a very long run. So yeah, it's a little longer your, run. Your stats are well taken, but they're not at a mile and 3 sixteenths either. So, right, right, um, exactly. So, but I like Jason's road to take a long way. I agree with you. I think, I think this horse is ready to run. 
Uh, real quick, guys, we're going to move this along. So we got Jim Miller in the bullpen live with a beautiful view, by the way, for, at, 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 in beautiful Stickney, Illinois. I can't wait to get to talk to Jim here. Uh, Chad, any other quick thoughts before? I'll tell you what we'll do, Chad, because I know you got to go also. Any quick thoughts since race, Chad? We'll show your pick five, and then we'll let you go. Any other? You've got the five. You've got Disarm in third. Yeah, I, I, you know, Steve is high on this horse when he came here to the fairgrounds earlier this year. He's come, He's taken a little while to come around. Um, you know, I think this is his one swing at it. Uh, you know, he definitely needed that race at Oakland last time out. I think this was the plan all along was to run him at Oakland um, and then bring him here. He's worked very well here. Let me see if I got anything. On this work. Um, I don't have any workouts who he's working with, but he's I, I think Rosario on him um, is, is definitely is definitely a, a positive thing. And I think he could trip out. I, I just think this horse, um, he needed that last race, that runaway winner to Eagles River is a nice horse for Hartman, but he got everything yeah. his way. Um, and at the price, you know, 10 to 1, I'm going to take a shot. I'll use him underneath for sure. Uh, that, that was really my only other, um, you know, kind of kind of cute horse in here, I guess. Okay, well, let's look at your pick five, Chad, and then we'll let you go. I know you got busy. We got we got a baseball game tonight, right, with the boys? Man, baseball season started, Howard. It busted <laughs> All me already, right. buddy. Yeah. Beautiful. We're still scraping yeah. the snow off the ground here in Chicago. No, but I think it's 82 it's- degrees outside right now. So, oh, jeez. Yeah. That sounds nice. Chad, your pick five is on the screen. You got one, five, six, seven, eight. With two eight, with six, with one three four five, with two four five six eleven, you're using the full hundred dollars, and you are singling your boy on the turf two Emmys. Yeah, I'm just trying to get through two Emmys, and then I got four four out of the five in the Oaks. Maybe I just throw everybody in there just to buy the race, but that that's the race where I just I, I just don't want to lean on any filly in there. Depending, you know, I just I don't know. I just don't want to lean on anybody in there. And then I, I had the opportunity to spread a little bit in, in the big race, full field kind of thing, and. You know, obviously, it's not going to pay too much, I don't think, if uh, the two wins. But if you have a short bankroll, I think leaning on instant coffee is a good idea. I like going a little deeper into turf races up front. You know, two Emmys I like, but that first turf race, I'm looking to beat adventuring, beat the favorite, just try to get things started there. And usually price horses do do pop on the turf here at the fairground. So hopefully one of them pops there. Um, and we'll see what happens. And then, you know, I'm kind of against uh, the West Willpower. I took a stand there and just went, um, you know, two horses in the New Orleans Classic. So we'll see how it goes. So, you know, and take, take a shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, listen, Chad, we really appreciate it. No one go anywhere. We, we're going to finish off our pick fives, and then we're going to bring on Jim Miller. But, Chad, we're going to let you go. Thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. Congrats to an awesome job. Again, where can people listen to that Fairgrounds podcast? Because it is outstanding. Yeah, I'm going to uh, post it on Twitter here as soon as I get off with you at, um, at Shex Nola. You see it right there. I'll post it on there. It's on all, all the Apple, Spotify. Um, anywhere you get your podcast, just type in search bar Fairgrounds. Uh, fairgrounds racing it'll pop right up and uh yeah it's a good one My, a lot of good information on there we we, we kind of delve out some of the maidens too um real quick i would hit on the maid there's a maiden in the second yep. race that's um you know the secretary is running the second race just to let y'all know it's castle, castle warden for cox uh what's the you know, what's the uh number i think he's oh, the, the one two, i think he's the four I got yeah. it right here here's yeah, the next he, secretary everyone there yeah, it is there, there, there's the high you want to talk about him chat and into mischief a cult by uh, out of an empire yeah. maker mayor. Well, yeah, be, yeah, be careful. You know these races. Uh, it's gonna be early, so maybe people aren't up yet. It's the second <laughs> race, but it's about twelve thirty. But five to two is a pipe dream. This horse could be reversed. That probably two to five. So I'm not telling wow. anybody anything crazy, but um, yeah, you know, just <laughs> watch see what this one does. If he doesn't win, he's one for the stable bill maybe because he's been out working some nice horses in the morning over here for uh, for the Cox Barn. But um. There's also an into mischief, I think, in the sixth race for Asmussen that they like twin mischief. I think the horse that ran Saratoga out of a key race that's been we're working here, and he's had some. Uh, Mike had some good marks on him. If you listen to the podcast; you'll hear all about it. 
Okay, and then there, there's that allowance horse that won nicely. What was the name of the allowance horse that won last weekend that freaked in his debut? That is a nice horse. I'm I'm drawing a blank. You know the horse for, I'm talking about. For who? Um, uh, one he won on he won on Risen Star Day, and then just came back and won a nice two turn allowance race. Yes, um, uh, the, the Bay Horse. Um, Bishop's yeah. Bay. Bishop's Bay. There you go, Bishop's Bay. That was the first secretary of the meet. Okay, this is the second one. That that was the first hype horse that that, that couldn't lose if he fell down. So this is the second one. I don't know how many Brad Cox has. He has a bunch of these that if they fall down, they lose. So (laughs) he's a a blessed man. Let me tell you, he's a blessed man. He is. You're a blessed man too, sir. Thanks a lot, Chad. Really appreciate it, man. Say hi to the family for me. Look forward to talking to you again. Take care, Chad. All right, guys, let's wrap up the pick five and then we'll bring on uh, Jim Miller. Let's wrap up the Louisiana Derby conversation is really what I wanted to do here, guys. Uh, let me bring the banner back up. Uh, Paul, we're going to go to you. You've got the number six, a Pletcher horse who is well meant for this spot. I'm not sure six to one is going to be his price. I think you're going to lower on him. Kings Barnes, uh, Pratt in for the ride, uh, undefeated right now, two for two. Yeah, Howard, you know, I went through the race, and, you know, I know instant coffee is formidable, um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to run behind a bush and hide to bet against instant coffee. Um, I don't know how good this horse is, you know, but the fact that he went to Tampa should cause no alarm because Pletcher does that with regularity. It's an $800,000 horse for spendthrift, you know, may go to the lead. Time form has him going to the lead. May sit off, but I don't. I think this field could not be more ordinary, and I think it's right for the taking for a horse like this. I don't love the horse, but certainly going to be a straight A. And anything over five to one, I'm going to bet him flat. And Pete, you agree? I agree. I'll agree with everything he said because I think the one thing about Kings Barnes is we just don't know yet. We don't know if. If he's just if he takes it, I mean, he's in his third race coming up. So if he takes a step forward here, he might just be better than them. And you're taking a shot with instant coffee. The only prep thing, you know, I love a good closer, but instant coffee has been known to be back a little farther. And there's not a huge amount of pace. I think Jace's road, like you guys said, is probably going to sprint to the lead. I was hoping that Kings Barnes then would sort of just let him go sit the perfect trip, potentially try and work over towards the rail a bit or be first over and then get that first run and then hopefully hold off instant coffee. I mean, I, I, I like this one because of the potential. And I think the other ones, we sort of know for the most part what they are. Um, I think instant coffee maybe still has another level, hopefully just for his sake. But I think this is the only one that's a true unknown at this point, but with a ton of talent and the connections to actually get that talent out of them. The main focus who, by the way, is a great follow on Twitter is a real sharp guy thinks that Kingsbarn has more speed, um, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, we're we're going to see. This is a much tougher spot. I mean, it's a huge field. Um, he's going to have to navigate something unless he's just ultra-aggressive. But Kingsbarn also seems to uh, get a really nice trip here, guys. So I have the source as a B as in boy. A lot of that's respect for Pletcher. Um, uh, and the distance you would think would, would work out well. My my sort of – I don't have a strong opinion here, guys. Let's just say that – I want to say flat out, I do not have a strong opinion in this race. I like Disarm a little bit. I think he's meant for this spot. I love the breeding. I think he's got big upside. I think he's another horse beat that we don't know about yet, and that's yeah. why I like him here. But he's got to really stretch out. 
another 316. There's a lot of question marks. I just have no interest in taking a low price on anyone in this race, guys. So I'm going 529. Tappet's Conquest, I already talked about, was like eight wide last time. And if he runs in this race, I think he has a big shot. The extra distance is going to help. I just don't have a real strong opinion in this race, to be honest. It should be fun. I do not expect any of these horses to be major derby threats. And I'm including instant coffee in that. I could be completely wrong. I don't know, guys. He just, he, he just, he doesn't excite me. Maybe, maybe just, just his style, but I don't know. He just seems like he could be a mid-pack runner in the derby. What, instant coffee. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, cause I have, I do my weekly uh, top 10 derby list just for the hell of it. And I've had him in sort of two, three spot most of the time, but he yeah. only because he was the only one who at that point had really won with a quality figure and, and sort of beat a field that's actually come back with some quality after, I mean, you see confidence game, two fills, I forget who else is in there, but a few horses have come back and won or run well in other prep races. So I think he's done enough in one race to warrant being near the top. But again, yeah, yep. he doesn't look like a, he plods a little bit. He doesn't look like a superstar that's going to sort of bury a field. Yep. So that's why in this race, if he gets bet down, I mean, I think it's ripe for the taking from someone else. If you can get a price. Let's go to our pick fives because the Hawthorne race just ended and Jim Miller is probably going to go back air, on the air at some point. I think he just tipped out his top horse that just won, I believe, the number seven. But anyway, um, who, who I believe won, according to what I'm looking at. Paul, one six nine with two, with one six, with three five, with two six. Paul's very confident. He's only using a $12 ticket times six, 72 bucks. Real quick, Paul, your thoughts here. You just don't want to get cute and you think it's going to be chalky. And so you want to press up. Is that about right? Yeah, pretty much, Howard. I mean, I, yes, you are right. I, I, I'm looking, you know, maybe you get a couple of $100 tickets six times and now you get four figures. Um, you know, I'm singling our collector and I'm no more than two deep in the other races. You know, typically it doesn't pan out that way, but, um, you know, I, I think there's a pretty good gap between those horses and the other horses I like in the races. I'll be probably heavier with C's than B's on the ABC route, but yeah, singling our collector and, and two deep in the rest, three deep in the opener, because um, I think that's probably a chance for a decent, you know, you could get four or five to one on one of those, but yeah, I'm going to uh, play that several times and hope for the best. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Pete. Pete, you've got one, six, nine also with two, eight with one, two, five, six with three, five, with two, four, six, seven, 96 bucks. Yeah, I actually agree with Paul, though. This is one of those where it has the potential to be chalky. So you may want to play sort of a small, a small um, volume wise number of horses on sort of an A ticket, press that one a bit. I do think there's a couple spots where maybe, you know, our collector is going to be tough. If anybody else wins that race, maybe you get a price if you can beat our collector the the fit the fairgrounds oaks obviously one of those horses is most likely going to win i mean it's hard to go against them you don't want to play all three so maybe you pick one in single or you pick two i wound up going with two of them the the turf race i actually is only one i had my bomb horse i had the two rising empire who we didn't talk at 20 to one just like hey i need a price in here that's going to blow this ticket up and not make it so chalky and then I think the, the the Louisiana Derby is just wide open. I mean, I think if King Barnes isn't as good as we hope and Instant Coffee is maybe stuck too far back, then I think anything can happen. So I was ready to go deeper in in that leg and probably would have a bunch in sort of an ABC line in the in the Louisiana Derby. 
Uh, guys, we've got a little extra time because there is an inquiry at Hawthorne, and uh, the, the horse on the lead uh, completely veered out into the horse that finished second. If this horse doesn't come down, I'll be absolutely shocked. I can't wait to talk to Jim, which I think I've got a feeling will be bad for Jim. So maybe some miracle in this horse will stay up. But anyway, um, Pete, I like your ticket. I like your thought. Um, my ticket, which I'm going to show, is very similar. It well, has a similar thought to you guys. But I went in a different direction. And my thought is, there's just, I don't want a chalky ticket. So I think you have two choices. Either you do what Paul did, and to some extent what you did also, Pete, but you do what Paul did and really press up, or you just toss some horses and you take some chances. And I'm sort of going to go the that that ladder route. My $96 caveman ticket is 6789 with 358 with 16 with 3. With one, two, four, five, six, nine, ten, eleven. This is a ninety-six dollar ticket. Um, I'm using an adventuring guys in the first race on my ABC. But if you it, listen, if adventuring wins, right? If adventuring wins and art collector, and you get two Emmys or um, uh, a tone in the turf, and then you have a short field in the Oaks, like you're not getting paid. Like, like why even play the sequence? Right. So you can, to me, you either press up and you go really strong and hard with a small ticket, or you try to beat. I don't think adventuring has to win. Art collector is probably going to win, but if art collector doesn't win guys, that's going to blow up the ticket. And so I don't, I do think the turf is a two horse race. And I agree with you, Pete. I think pretty mischievous is a good single because when you have a bunch of a small field and you got a bunch of like nine to fives, you can't spread there, in my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think you got to take a stand in that kind of race. I'm taking a stand with pretty mischievous, and then the the the, the Louisiana Derby. I have no freaking idea. Maybe <laughs> instant coffee's the goods, but maybe not. And that I think you get a 15 to one easily in that race. So yeah, that's my lodge there, guys. Ninety six dollars for better or for worse. Unless if adventuring wins the first race, you know what I'll do, folks. The old play the pick for. So that'll be, that's right, Paul. Uh, guys, as we bring Jim Miller on, let's just bring him on right now uh, from Hawthorne Racecourse. He's there live, guys, hoping maybe this horse doesn't come down. Jim, this horse has got to come down, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even though well, I, I think picked... it's so long in sticking there, what the hell's going on? Yeah, whether I pick the horse or not, I think the horse has to come down. I mean, the horse veered out badly in the lane while on the lead, but uh, we'll see. And it's, it's... They're still looking at it, though, right, Jim? They're looking at it. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an apprentice rider on the leader. It's E.T. Barrett on the other horse, a veteran jock objecting. I think this horse has to come down. I'd love to get three to one in a four horse field. It is what it wow. is. You're going to have to let me know because I've been looking over my shoulder at the board. Right. You can see I, right down there, but I, I can't see how this horse stays up. I'll let you know. Jim, before we let Pete and Paul go, for, yeah. uh, let them go first. Uh, good to see you. How you doing? I love, love the view up there. Um, any thoughts on Louisiana Derby, Jim? Did you look at it, and then we'll we'll let Pete and Paul go. Yeah, and and I was just I was listening to you guys talk a little bit, and I was happy to see on your ticket you at least included the horse that I had. The horse I liked was Shopper's Revenge on the inside. Uh, mm. I just I, I the one thing I found about the race was I didn't think there was a whole lot of pace in here. And the thing about Shopper's Revenge is the best effort was two back in the maiden score that was on the front end. The last out, I think, if anything, the horse got a little bit of education, getting away slowly, taking some dirt and then still running on late. But from the inside, lack of pace. If the horse gets away, maybe they go out there. I don't think they're going to go too fast in this race by any means. 
And I don't think anybody's really a superstar in the race either. So maybe the horse gets brave and just can kind of go out there, cruise along and kick away and do so at 15 to one. He was, he ran huge two back. I thought he was, yeah. you know, going to really be a, a force on the triple crown, you know, trail. Or DQ Jim, DQ Jim. Yeah, there is yeah. a DQ Jim. That's Sorry the right call. That, uh, it's the right call. Regardless of my picks, that's the right call. <laughs> yeah, it's the right call. Uh, Pete and Paul, so we let you guys go. Any uh, final thoughts? You got Turfway was covered by Ben and Boozen. You want to bet big fields, and it's going to be on our power picks, guys, by the way. Uh, Turfway's got monster fields on Saturday for the uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes. stakes. Two uh, fills. Two horse. fills is in there. Larry Ravelli. Two fills. Uh, any thoughts on anything there that you guys looked at or just anything in general, Pete and Paul, before I let you go here? I have not looked at the card. Uh, I think the fact that it's a 50-point race is very questionable, but when Churchill Downs owns the track, they can do that. Uh, yeah. I think Dubai is where we'll start our day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Coffee, bagels, and gambling at 8 a.m. Well, we are live, everyone. We are live at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. And, Pete, I talked to you. Paul, I didn't even talk to you at all, and you don't have to answer this live on YouTube right now. But anyone, any of our co-hosts, of course, are welcome to join myself and Davey Lane. Uh, we're going to cover the last four races, Jim, and starting with the Golden Shaheen, where you got Gunite and some other nice sprinters, and then three more races. So it's a big day Saturday. I agree with you, uh, Paul, about that. Pete, any final thoughts? Uh, I agree with Paul. That, that Dubai card, I was looking at it quick today, is fantastic. You get Rebels Romance coming back from the Breeders' Cup. You got some bunch of Breeders' Cup horses coming back, so it's, yeah. it's a fantastic card. I like Congruent a little bit in the in the, um, in the the Jeff Ruby. I mentioned that. Okay. I got to yell at Kyle, by the way. I put like three comments up. He doesn't put any of my comments on the screen. I'm like, wow. you know, I'm being boycotted all of a sudden. Yeah. So I, I forgot to yell at him last night. But I do like – I was going to take a shot. You know, I love a, a gray closer, and if we can get a little bit of pace in that race, hopefully he can he could swing by with his uh, with that light gray skin could just dart by, which you know I love. That'll be fun. Well, it checks out – well, I'll promo it again when I'm done with Jim and check out our show Saturday morning. Uh, Pete, Paul, thanks a lot, guys. Perhaps we'll see them uh, see Saturday you, morning. Good see you guys. Take care, guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See you guys. All right. All right, Jim, appreciate your patience here. Let's jump into uh, the races on Sunday at Hawthorne. As I switch a few things, first of all, tell us how the weather's going to be on Sunday. If you well, know. here's the one thing. Beauty beauty of an objection and then trying to go real short for post parades is I don't even have time to go on air for race number seven. So we don't have to worry oh, about that. Okay, by so you're not going so on. Okay. We, we, we have a little bit of time. No hey, prattle for Jim. Go ahead. Here's the cool thing. You, you talk about how awesome the racing is on Saturday. And it is awesome. That's the reason we are not running on Saturdays, because a car to overnight races is never going to compete with all those stakes-filled cards. That's yeah. why we're running on a Thursday, because you get a little bit more exposure, and you're out there, and you can kind of see things a little bit better. Sunday looks like it's going to be clear. It also looks like it's going to be chilly. And the one thing we've seen early on in the meet here, Howard, is speed has kind of been the king. So that's the reason yeah. that you see below my name, because... Early in the season when it's cold here, and we even mentioned it going into last week's card. You make the top, odds are you're going to win or be second. And on last Sunday, eight of the nine winners were the horses that made the lead early on. And some of them were not horses that seemed logical to make the top. They just happened to make the top in those spots. So we kicked things off with an Illinois bred maiden race for race number six for the 50 cent late pick four on Sunday. It's five and a half furlongs. So you're starting to go a little bit longer as we're early on in the meet. This isn't a great spot by any means. Nobody's really committed to the front. The most accomplished horse is the seven dash to the cash. 
but that's a horse that's going to come from out of it. But trainer Ida Spagnola has a six, Silver Chiller. This is a first-time starter in here. Lasix for the debut. A nice pattern of workouts coming into the spot. And Ida last year and Ida this year, you're starting to see some younger horses that are running very well for her. So you find a field that's not great, and you find a horse that at least doesn't have a bunch of races stacked up where it's showing it can't win. I think that's the reason why I'm going to give Silver Chiller a shot here, at least to kick things off for that late pick four. Uh, what, what's the breeding on that cult, Jim? So Protonico is the sire, and then it's out of a, a Kel Silver Charm mare, or out of Silver Charm mare, Kel Silver Charm. So Okay. A little bit distance, but you think probably wants to go longer eventually. enough in this yeah. spot. Yeah. Okay. Probably wants to go longer. But here's the thing, too. Illinois bred maidens, especially at this time of year, aren't real tough because later on in the year, you're going to start to see those Scott Becker horses that are coming in and the Chris Block horses that are coming in. And that at this time of year, you're not. You're finding a lot of these horses that were either getting beaten up a little bit at the end of last year or just kind of those career maiden types. So that's the reason I went to this one. First timer who, again, is working well. Five eights and 59 here at Hawthorne is a snappy drill. And that's what you had yep. back on March the 19th. This could be a, a legitimate racehorse here. I, I like the pick. I like the fresh face angle. Uh, race seven, you had 25, hard knocking 25 claimers going for a purse of 17K, uh, five and a half. You're going to go seven to six here. The seven is hurt so bad, yeah. uh, three to one uh, on the outside. Yeah, valiantly discreet actually just scratched from that sixth race that just ran behind me for okay. this spot on Sunday. So that's one thing to make note of. It yep. scratched from a 12-5 claimer in for this $25,000 spot. It's part of the reason I use the horse, but hurts so bad, just kind of has that running style. Should be close to the pace. Again, not a ton of pace, but enough pace in here. Valiantly discreet probably goes, but I think Smile Like Kyle keeps things honest. And hurts so bad, just got a really good stalking trip in that last out and just missed at the wire behind a horse that's been fairly solid recently in Race Arena. Second start of the meet, five and a half. Centeno's riding very well. And I think you're going to get the three to one. So that's kind of the key for me. There's some other prices that maybe you throw in the mix in there. Tea with lemon, I thought could be a little bit of a factor, maybe at a little bit of a price as well. But I'm going to look to the outside horse just to get the trip there in race seven. Uh, by the way, Jim, breaking news. Well, I'll, I've got some breaking news, but I'm going yeah. to I'm going to wait for the end of our pick four because you might this indirectly uh, will affect you. You'll you'll know what I mean when I tell you. Okay. Uh, let, let's go to race eight though. This, this Again, this is Sunday. Everyone. Let's not get yep. confused. Again, this is Sunday late pick four at Hawthorne. They also have a 15% uh, – there's a 12% sorry, win play show. 12%, me. yeah, lowest in well, the nation. I'm sorry, 12% 12 win, play show. win play show. Incredible uh, betting and takeout at Hawthorne. Uh, the third leg of the pick four is a starter optional, 13-5 down to 6-5. Six, six furlongs. I see some familiar names in yep. here, including – the very nice number six Illinois bred long tall woman for Hernandez and Lascano, eight to five morning line here. And, and you're going to see when I get to my ticket, kind of the way I play it, because I don't go real deep in the pick four, but I like to hit it multiple times. And it's because of horses like this long tall woman has been so good here at Hawthorne, 15 of 16 on the board, seven victories over the track. The race in the last out went five eights. This horse broke almost dead last in that field. And Lascano handled the horse absolutely perfectly, settled back, waded through the turn, saved some ground. And then when they straightened out the long quarter of a mile stretch, then he split horses and took off. And the horse got up just in time, but is a great fit for Lascano. Lascano doesn't ride a whole lot of horses by any means, but the ones he does ride, he fits really well. 
added distance is not going to hurt. Look at this horse at the distance. Six wins out of 13 starts at the distance. The level suits, the distance suits, everything suits. Long, tall woman should be very tough in race number eight. Uh, Christos Sorantos, thanks a lot, Christos. Missed the live uh, going to watch again tonight. Again, we went early tonight, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, for two reasons. One, we didn't want to bump it in the NCAA games, Jim. And number two, Chad Shexnader had to come on earlier. His boys got a baseball game. We got to take care of family first. So that's why. But people can watch the replay. But Christos, pound for pound, one of the best racing podcasts going. Howard's the cool horse racing teacher you are, I never had. Christos, thanks a lot, man. I, I really do appreciate the compliment. And one of the reasons why our show is great is just we got people like Jim Miller on to give us deep dives and Chad from fairgrounds. We don't just bring in on a bunch of schmoes who are guessing about these horses. We, we bring on people who are actually at the track and, and do that for their job. So thanks a lot, Christos. Let's go on to the last race of the pick four. It's race nine, Jim. It's about 6.06 central times. I go ahead and switch the banners here. You're going 4.82 in this Illinois bred maiden race, five and a half furlongs. Um, is this uh, this is a main special weight? Sorry, yeah. Saw that field of nine, another big uh, morning line favorite that you are tossing. Unless no, God, no, no, no. The four is my top pick, Onasa. Oh, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong damn thing. I thought I was. You're looking, looking at a nine. Day. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just compliment myself, and, and now I can't read a program. See, Onasa, the cool horse racing teacher. Let's go with the numbers, Howard. Come on. Four or five. What's the what's the difference? Uh, Onasa, right. four to five for a guy named Larry Valley. And Mohica, and do me a favor, Jim. After you talk about this race, let's yeah. let's give two fells a mention for thirty yeah. seconds because you've seen him work, and this is a huge Kentucky uh, Derby uh, threat on Saturday. And and I just I, I talked to Larry a couple times actually earlier in the day. I talked to him before Onasa's last race. He called Onasa a bull. He said this is a big horse, a strong horse. He's like, I'm going to win that day. <laughs> but the thing is, War Room is also a big horse, a strong horse who ran a really good race. These two were way clear of the rest of the field. It was a, it was a short field, but it was a two-horse race from start to finish. And Onasa ran really well. So take nothing away from that horse. You don't get War Room back. Lightning caches you don't get back. The rest of this field is nowhere close to what you're going to get out of Onasa. This is a horse. I've laid the horse at four to five. If there's any scratches, even if there's not, maybe go shorter. But this is a very talented racehorse, and I think Onasa will be very tough. And you'll see when I play my pick four ticket, the reason why I played it the way I did, because you look right there, I go two by four by single by single. Wow. Now, when it's a 50-cent base minimum, you have to play it a whole lot of times if you want to try to make some money there. But again, that's not going to cost you a whole lot. So you, you go out there, you, you play, it, play the ticket 10 times, and – you can hopefully make some money. But again, catch maybe a price or two, beat a favorite in one of the first two legs, and I think you'll be in pretty good shape. You're doing basically what what uh, Paul Halloran's doing at uh, Fairgrounds. He yep. thinks it's chalky, so not press up. Let's hit it several times. Are yep. you in the press box, by the way? Right I'm, now, I'm right next to the press box. My TV camera is, is literally right okay. over there behind the screen, and my desk is right on the other side of the wall. Well, here's the breaking news. There's a very strong chance, and I'm on the phone actually – uh, sort of in and out here working on this. There is a strong chance that Howard Kravitz will be at Hawthorne Racecourse on Sunday uh, for the Otago. Otago's a really talented horse for Crownsway Racing um, and, and Tony Rollo. We might be having a little bit of outing at Hawthorne impromptu to Excellent. watch Otago, um, who's racing, I think, at Gulfstream, I'm not, or maybe Laurel. I'm not sure. 
but of course also enjoy the races at Hawthorne. Jim, I know we got contact info. I'll get back to you on that. Yes, sir. But there might be a Hawthorne will never be the same as Howard Kravitz might be making a, a sighting. <laughs> and I'm, I'm starting my spring break also, Jim. So look out. If oh I, I might be coming, I might be coming full bear. Uh, if I, if I, if I'm going to the track on Sunday. I like it. I mean, that's awesome. And, and here's the cool thing about it. Cause you're going to have NCAA action going on. We got the yep. sports book here. You got yep. horse racing here. You got everything else going on. So definitely come out. All right. Two fills. I know you had mentioned two fills. Yeah, I talked to Ravelli about it uh, today. And, and it's funny, the connections I know love this horse. They like it. They love it a lot. They're 13th on the points list right now. Their goal and their intent is definitely wanting to go to the Derby. So they want to get enough points out of this race to go to the Derby. Jareth Loveberry was coming off an injury at fairgrounds. The first day Loveberry got cleared was the day he worked the horse here on March the 9th. I watched the workout. This was a horse that looked like it was going as easy as could be. You figured when you cross the wire, you're going to see, say, 102 and change, 103 for five eighths. And then the clock said 59 seconds. And then the horse galloped out strong through three quarters. Then the horse galloped out strong through seven eighths and then just eased on its way out down the backside but just did everything right. So that was the really cool thing. Loveberry said the horse was great. He said he was so happy to get cleared to be able to get on the horse leading into the race. But the thing about this race, there is no really superstar in here. I mean, Major Dude's a horse that's been running on the turf. There's the unknowns about the synthetic there. And there's a lot of unknowns about so many others. The one thing about two fills is really, aside from the one race in the Breeders' Street Charity, the horse has been pretty consistent. So that's the thing that you have to take into account. If they finish third, they're in the Derby. They're going to have enough points. So I think that's kind of the goal, a top three finish and then head on to uh, Louisville. Jimmy's face the best horses. And if you look, we're, we're going to we're gonna end the show. But if, if you take a look at the breeding of two fills, everyone, yeah. there's a little bit of turf. There's a little, I think it's Danzig, right? There's a little, there's a little turf. There's a little yep. sin breeding. He's my second choice after Major Dude. But if two fills wins that race, I would not be surprised. And um, I, I'd be, that'd be very cool to have Larry Valley in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Jim. We really appreciate it, man. I'll be in touch with you over the phone yeah. um, regarding Sunday. I'm not sure yet what's happening, but if it's not this Sunday, you know it'll happen uh, sometime soon. Any final thoughts about this weekend or any of the uh, derby preps? Of course, you're going to be on again the next few weeks as well. But just any, any thoughts going to these last 100-point derby preps? I mean, the derby the derby's really fun. I mean, aside from Forte, there's not, not a t real big standout. Tapas Trice we talked a little bit about last week. But I think that's what's going to make it a whole lot of fun this year is, again, you're looking at another derby with potential of double-digit odds winning the race. So these races are all very important. You come up, kind of look through them. And I know P either Peter or Paul mentioned it, the Jeff Ruby Stakes is a 100-point race now. <laughs> it's a legitimate race. There's... Two or three horses are going to come out of there that could go on to the Derby. So that's what you have to take in regard. The other thing you have to take in regard, Howard, is Baffert horses are still running under Baffert, who could take points away from other racehorses. Yeah. Look at the Sunland race on Sunday. That horse probably going to win. That means somebody's not getting 50 points. So yeah. it's something that you do have to look to as well, too. But it is. It's always going to be a lot of fun. As always for here at Hawthorne, when it's cold outside, rail speed is always very good as it starts to warm up. The track evens out. But right now, it's been very much a speed track here at Hawthorne. All right. Well, Jim, we really appreciate all the info. Jim, of course, is on with us every Thursday. Usually, it's a night. We had to go a little bit earlier uh, today. Kind of like this, it. man. No, it's fun. A little afternoon. People are going to watch replays. And again, last thing I'll say, and, we'll, and then we'll close the show. This Saturday, maybe Jim will be uh, in the chat. Who knows what he's got going on Saturday morning. Huge races at Dubai. We are live starting at 10.15 a.m., 
with our good friend from the UK. You want to talk about a good punter, or handicapper, Jim. Davy Lane is outstanding. He's been on our show many times. All the guy does is tip out 20, 30 to one shots that find their way in the money or win. It's quite amazing. Join us, guys, Saturday morning, 10, 15 Eastern Standard Time as we cover the last four races in Dubai. For my good friend, Jim Miller, this has been the host, Howard Kravitz, episode, what episode, 239 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Good luck to everyone at Hawthorne at the fairgrounds, at Turfway, in Dubai, anywhere else. We'll see you next week, everyone, as the Derby Points Trail continues. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country.